This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow standard orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. I say. You will obey. It is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network. And with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Track Stars. Hello. And his co-host from Commentary Track Stars, Max. Hey, how's it going? I figured we'd do another commentary and uh, have Max come in too, since you guys are the professionals. <laughs> If we're professionals, then where's our money? Well, I guess it depends on we're not how you define professional. Money. Okay. All right. We do it for the love. Okay. I, I just saw an interview with Harlan Ellison where he was talking about uh, wanting to get paid for an interview on the Babylon 5 box set and how writers have ruined things for professionals because they do it for free. So where's our money? Um, that's really dark. Because yeah. talking over TV shows <laughs> is really difficult. I mean, it's super difficult. Yeah. Well, yeah. So today's episode that we're going to commentate on is is my favorite of the. Hey, we found these outfits laying in the back lot. We might as well use them. A piece of the action. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I'm. I'm. Quite fond of this episode. It seems to be one of the uh, universally accepted episodes, which you wouldn't normally think would be universally accepted. Yeah, I mean, not. It seems like I Mud gets a bad rap all the time, but this is just as goofy. Maybe not. No, not just as goofy. Similar goofiness. Well, we can get into this in a minute when we start up the uh, the thingy. I guess right. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you. We'll do a countdown, and we're starting at zero, 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 zero. All zeros. Load it up and push pause, and then unpause <laughs> it when we say. And as before, you can watch the original version or the remastered version because they're both the same length. Yep, that's the beauty. All right, so we'll do a countdown. Three, two, one play all right and max and i are watching the original effects and you're watching the remastered right so yep all the bases are covered standard orbit mr checkoff this must be where i got the intro from (laughs) yep so um I, I, a few weeks ago, um, I was on the Ready Room, and uh, we were covering the five-year mission song. Uh, 
for piece of the action and mm-hmm. there's there's like a lyric in there where it says like uh it's just like chicago but with more guns and chris said is it really just like chicago but with more guns and i said uh no it's actually just like chicago but with less guns i think that's what i thought when i first heard that song i was like i wonder what mike thinks about this song <laughs> yeah but uh well that's a really weird problem yeah it is especially now with the whole conceal carry thing that's going to be fun <laughs> none of that's good that's not going to happen okay so they're going to a planet which has been contaminated by another uh is it a federation ship or is it just another earth ship i can't remember because it's been a while right i think it i think at this point it was just another earth ship it's before the federation okay cuz i think that they say like 100 years ago right mm-hmm. i think that puts it like just a, a just a hair before enterprise so well, Enterprise and they did like mention they did mention the ship landing, so maybe even I think so, right? No, I, I thought no, I don't I don't know I don't know for sure. But I I remember doing doing the math at some point in the past ten years, and thinking no, it has to be before Enterprise. Okay, all right. They did mention uh, that the Horizon are you going are you going to land your ship? Mm-hmm. So it it seems like a pre Enterprise kind of thing with well we got to come down and land our whole ship. Yeah. Which is no wonder that they left things behind. If they left landed their whole ship, I'm sure the Iotians were wandering around, picking through things. Yeah. And I love this. Like, oh, we'll meet you by the yellow fire plug. So here they are. You know, Scotty's going to beam them down. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems completely reasonable. Okay, so here they are making use of the back lot, which is good. As um, you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'll check out that lady. Speaking of back lots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a new euphemism. <laughs> so one of the things which has always kind of bothered me about this episode, not that I can't forgive it, is that... Uh, hmm. They seem to get a lot of stuff from that book that you wouldn't think they'd be able to get from that book. Like how to make guns? Yeah. Well, they said that they had some technical manuals and stuff too, but so maybe, I don't know. But uh, how to talk and everything? Yeah. I mean, how do you write down an accent, maybe? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, which I'm having a hard time because you guys sound exactly like these characters. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, this, I this Chicago accent is. <laughs> it's pretty thick. Mm hmm. It's pretty thick, like our pizzas. Yep. I, I don't I, I don't think there's anything like in, like unreasonable about the accents and the dialect. I mean, they've got I mean, it's a ridiculously large book. They've got to have some, like, rather in-depth quotes. And, like, no matter no matter what, the people who did this incredibly bizarre cargo culting, like, Chicago mobs of the 20s, have to be, at least in some ways, brilliant. 
in order to reverse engineer things from a loose description and perhaps a black and white photograph. They did say that they learn incredibly quickly. Yeah. So like I like you have to just go, okay, they they like, you know, they ran the numbers and they were like, the only way to make this incredibly strange dialect work is if we have these weird accents. <laughs> you can see that it's co written by Gene Kuhn and uh you know we we were talking to well, actually we weren't yet, but this is another uh comedy episode, you know. Why are the barrels such different sizes? Well, they're different brands. I mean they talk about how there's <laughs> different brands of heaters, you know, that you hear the commercial later on. So um but yeah, I mean this is another comedy episode kind of like Trouble with Tribbles. You know, you you really can see, especially, you know, um after it's pointed out that uh y- there were a lot of comic episodes in season two when Coon was running the show, when Coon was the boss. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I, well, you, you kind of have to. I mean, you, you can't... It, it's hard to take any, even the serious episodes where everybody's dressed up as old Earth cultures seriously. So you might as well just run with it and be goofy. I, I think it's perfectly valid. I think it works really well. And, you know, just like Trouble with Tribbles, uh, it, it deals with some interesting philosophical issues. It just uses comedy to do so. But, I mean, this is something which has been dealt with numerous times in Star Trek, the idea of um, contamination of a culture, you know. And you can see how it can go really, really badly if you're not careful i mean here this is a society built on you know gang violence and it's all the earther's fault you know like that's there's sort of like a complicated like 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 secondary level to that that criticism which is like it how how is it possible that you could contaminate a culture so significantly with so minor an influence and like it's it's kind of absurd that they found a book and their yeah. entire culture becomes shaped around that book. I mean, like, if they left two books, would their entire culture be shaped around one of the two? Or would like they have another culture on the other side of the planet that was shaped around the other book? Like would I it's just like it's a it's a crazy amount of, of criticisms that immediately start popping up once you imagine that you can actually do something that would cause this to happen. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe maybe this this episode here isn't an actual mission. Maybe this is a, a you know uh, a a public service announcement of why the Prime Directive exists, and it's and it's kind of got some comedy bits to it, you know, to make it entertaining for the the people in the academy. One of the professors got really lazy and had you know Kirk, Spock, and McCoy film a. Film a goofy thing. What if people took everything you did literally and you need to calm down and (laughs) not break the prime directive? (laughs) Let's get Kirk to do it. That's what it is. Kirk was, Kirk finally got in trouble for, for violating the prime directive enough times that this was his punishment. Kind of like, uh, you, you might have to teach a driver's safety course if you, uh, you know, have too many tickets or something. 
Well, that book did not have any information on how to play pool. Yeah, he just hit that not purple like, stripe. Not a not a not a word about how to play pool. Just maybe a picture. People played pool. Okay. <laughs> I you know see to me I, I I don't I don't even think that it needs to be justified like that. I think that uh, you know the original series in pr- particular is kind of like well the X Files in a sense in that it's very malleable and you you could get away with doing comedy episodes like this and stack them next to, you know, dramas and, and, uh, it, it's fine. You know, I, I, I don't, I guess I don't have any problem with, you know, tonal shifts like that. Um, since it is, as we've talked about before, basically an anthology series. Um, I don't think it's the tone that the people are, might have a problem with. I think it's the idea of, doing something so kind of it's ridiculous really it's a ridiculous scenario they they're not just like you know going to a place that was you know like screwed up because of a previous explorer you know dropped the ball and didn't know what they were doing like they're going to a planet that has been like recreated from a very particular point in history that is also completely ridiculous like they're they are not like they, they have not like built their society around a society they've built it around like a trend or a genre it's 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 totally bizarre like it's not that it's funny that people might have a problem with it's that it's insane yeah it's an insane scenario they go to a planet that is based on basically a genre of movies because really there's no actual historical like like record of this sort of thing this was like a thing that like happened off in a little corner of a little subset of a small area for a brief window of time. Which is like within walking distance of where we're sitting right now, by the way. Yeah. And but like, you know, if if you say like, well, you know, like you know, during Prohibition era there were like bootleggers and like the, the you know, the mafia started to form and all that stuff, and like it's all there. But like there were also cops. There were there True. were still politicians. Apparently, the book never mentions any involvement in politics, and any any and like any mention of like you know like a, a, a congressman being bought off because apparently the politicians are just the actual mob bosses. Like there's 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 a lot of crazy here. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what people are like you know might be upset by because it is it is completely improbable and perhaps a little bit insane but people aren't really upset by this right i mean most people do tend to love this episode i mean drew did did you say at one point that it's your favorite it's my dad's favorite my episode. Dad's favorite okay um, well my dad's very goofy so it, it fits right in with him yeah. um it, this this does this absurdity does set up the sequel that they were thinking of making instead of trials and tribulations the ds9 crew is for some reason going to go to iosha again oh really and and find that the entire planet had taken after the federation you know and it was mike it sounds he's setting up the conversation max (laughs) (laughs) it sounds vaguely familiar I'm, i'm sure i read it at some point but so that would be interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and they were going to find that the whole culture, based on McCoy's left-behind communicator, was going to be basically <clears throat> a planet of Trekkies. Right. 
And it was going to be not only a love letter to the original series, but a love letter to the fans. Right. Okay. That makes sense. I, I, I think it's a great now. idea for a story, and it also made a great movie called Galaxy Quest. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that I like, is interesting. I like Ox was calling up to the calling up to Scotty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Threatening yeah. them. Like, because he has no idea that the ship is, you know, the size of his entire, you know, not his entire city. It's not the JJ ship. (laughs) I'm still a little freaked out by how they both keep looking at the camera. (laughs) Like, what are they looking? Are they looking at the ceiling? Like, oh, I know they're up there past the ceiling. Yeah, that's what they're doing. (laughs) They're looking up at the stars. But why a particular part of the ceiling? I don't know. They they've got to give themselves an eye line. That's just so crazy. So many crazy things. That might be the one that bothers me the most. <laughs> so and apparently the the book had you know how to play cards and mm-hmm. how to make cards and how to print <laughs> money and boilers and boxes and but like the it's there's still some leeway cuz Kirk makes up a card game in like half a second and then keeps making up the rules as he goes along and he plays it's the it's the calvin ball of card games and like they don't think there's anything weird about that well he says it's from another planet yeah still they don't they don't question how bizarre the card game is you'd think they'd go the those rules that you're saying sound insane and like not a not a good card game but actually a terrible card game i'd rather go back to playing well, poker. But he sets it up by saying, like, you guys probably aren't smart enough to understand what how to play this game. You know? Yeah, that's that's insane. That's so, totally silly. <laughs> <laughs> they play a real game. Mm-hmm. So Fizzbin is the game. And now here you, you look at like this scene and uh this scene in particular, and then also the scene where they're talking to the little kid. Uh, it, it later on in the episode, and maybe more than any other place in the show, including Trouble with Tribbles, do you see the comic genius of William Shatner, and you wonder why they weren't doing this. Well, you, first off, you you see why Gene Kuhn wanted to do more of it, but you also wonder why they weren't doing this on like a weekly basis, because you know, as good of a dramatic actor as Shatner is, he is. An insanely good comedic actor. I mean, this this is like you know Shatner of today, you know. <laughs> yeah, his timing is impeccable. Yeah. Well, I don't understand. Is that you've got half a Fizbin with two jacks, and then getting a third jack is bad, and then he gets a third jack. And Kirk immediately is just like, you win. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I think he wasn't anticipating that he was going to throw down another Jack and end the game. But uh, he improvised, like all good captains. <laughs> maybe, all... The, maybe the deck is mostly Jacks. Maybe. Yeah, maybe there's no... <laughs> maybe there was only a picture of, of one guy's hand in the middle of a card game. And three other cards were jacks, and they were like, "Ah, oh, that's probably tons of tons of those." <laughs> mm-hmm. well, what What do we think about Spock's character in this episode? 
I love that he just kind of stands there and watches everybody be goofy. But like later on in the episode, he's like, use guys, come over here, or something to that effect. Oh, yeah. Once yeah. he gets into character, it's kind of... Also, kind of, it's extraordinarily ridiculous. Watch him in this scene right here while Kirk is like beating the crap out of this dude. Spock is just kind of standing there, just watching, just assuming. <laughs> yeah, of course, Kirk you better will, let him do it. We'll beat him up. You know, he doesn't need my help at all. They well, he probably tried to get in the middle of a fight between Kirk and somebody once, and Kirk was like, "Never ever do that again." <laughs> it disgusts him. <laughs> I love how they put those boxes in the middle of the alley there just so that Kirk could jump over them. You, they they didn't put those there for him to jump over them. They didn't know he would run down that alley. No, I mean the uh, I know. creators. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to help the show out here. There's there's so much crazy here. You got you got to do a little bit of the work yourself. <laughs> In order to justify what's occurring in the screen all the time while this episode, so dies. there's these records are just spinning, and and the needle wasn't on anything. She's just watching spinning records. That's what you do. <laughs> Maybe. There's oh god, such a crazy thing. Like this is one of those things that Star Trek like you know departed from at a certain point, in a weird elliptical way of course you know um, next gen created the holodeck just so they could do this sort of thing again yeah yeah which which is weird because like later on he's driving the car and he's like oh i think i know how to do this i mean they they do have a holodeck on the the enterprise right that's established in the animated series correct Mm. Uh, there's something sure, like Mike. it. Okay. There's a there's a holodeck established in the animated series, maybe, which maybe is totally it's, canon. I don't know. It is, but it, <laughs> maybe it's more of a utilitarian tool or something like that. Well, I mean, the holodeck in in Encounter at Farpoint, don't they like flat out say this is one of the first? Yeah, maybe that model. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like, there's maybe also... the old ones were in black and white and stuff. Yeah. Well, the first um, uh, Dixon Hill episode, Picard like comes into comes onto the bridge and he's like, "You're not gonna believe how great the holodeck is, you guys. I'm not kidding. Like, yeah. you know how they were in the past, like terrible. Like they're not like that anymore. <laughs> it's so, incredible. So maybe the other ones are more like danger rooms from uh, X Men. Remember how, like, when you got wet, it was, the rules behind whether or not you stayed wet after you left the holodeck were really loose? Like, not anymore, man. It's super strict. you got to dress up before you go on. At least for the time being. Maybe in a few years I'll upgrade it and so you don't have to do that. <clears throat> so here he is meeting with the second boss. Who's also got a copy of the book. Yeah, apparently they figured out how to do book making and yeah. binding. There must have been a page on that. <laughs> I mean, I could see them coming up with certain tech. I mean, you don't. they don't even need a page on that. They're just like, oh, what's this thing? This book. Oh, I guess we should make more of these, you know? Yeah. And they also learned English. Yeah. Well, from the book. 
I can see that. If they're really quick learners, I mean, I could totally see them learning English. Yeah. But I mean, if like if they're if they're doing some sort of deductive reasoning, like piecing together things that are like logical consequences of the of the of the context, then you'd think that they would, you know, piece together things like shop owners who are not involved in organized crime. <laughs> Grocery stores, things that make complete sense when when you imagine an entire world with this sort of thing. But they didn't somehow they managed to create an entire civilization without a humongous section of what is necessary for a civilization i wonder if what's in those books behind him like do they have like great uh literary minds on this planet no <laughs> just all odes to mob bosses past i figure at least half of them are coloring books <laughs> beautiful leather bound coloring books yeah like the, the illustrated tommy gun coloring book <laughs> tommy the tommy gun yeah that's how kids learn the parts of a tommy gun so that when they're older they know how to build them <laughs> Although you'd think there'd be a lot of really weird colors then. Purple so they animals. locked Kirk in a room and there's a letter opener right there that he could use to like <laughs> totally stab somebody. And it's so obvious that you think like, oh, he's going to pick this up, but he doesn't. He's not a no. killer. Well, you think he could use it to like unlock a door or something. Yeah, but he also is totally a killer. Mm, yeah. I don't know why he doesn't try to seduce one of the local women to I mean they seem like they'd be up for it. Yeah, but they're packing heat. <laughs> He's gotta be careful. That plan is that a euphemism is for an really STD? blue. <laughs> uh he's if he he's not seeing how blue that planet is. Yeah. yeah. Mine looked like a normal planet. Yeah. <laughs> I like how blue it is though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's mostly water. I like Maybe how this round is, it is the only city. It could be. Where do they build the cars? Where do they get who, the Where do they get the oil the to power the cars? Who's drilling for oil? And Maybe are they a mob boss? Maybe they're solar Probably, powered cars. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, they have different businesses, and I'm sure that they run... Yeah, I mean, because they say... If there's, if there's a mob boss drilling for oil somewhere on that planet, then they should have gone there, because that would be really funny. <laughs> I mean, they've got henchmen, just like, you know, I mean, so there's some mob boss who owns, um, you know, an oil rig... And he's got his henchmen drilling for the oil. I mean, that's probably not too far off from, you know, reality, right? No, that's... I understand what you're saying. But, like, how how does that, like, oil drilling henchman talk to his employees? The same way this guy does. All right. I'm having a hard time <laughs> visualizing the... Um... 
the be... nicknaming of of, hey, <laughs> of a patrol. Use guys. You're gonna drill faster. I mean, the boss is gonna get you. Come across with the crude. I mean, that's that's pretty. You know, I mean, look at uh, you know. I mean, look at look at casino. You know, I mean, you you can kind of see how these things would operate just based on. But this is a this is a culture that failed to recognize some very basic requirements of this society. Like they don't have necessary things. How is it possible that they that they managed to get this far without figuring out some very basic aspects of this world? Kirk taking these guys out is just great. Why? Why do the guys ah, blanketed? Come, why do the guys come running in at you know breakneck speed? I mean, that's the only way that this would work. <laughs> and doesn't it look like he doesn't <laughs> jump over the thing there? No, too? he totally didn't. <laughs> I guess the second guy broke it. Okay, because the first guy didn't trip over it at all. He didn't. No, he did because no. you hear the boing. Well, he did. He did. Movie wise, but he didn't actually physically. Oh. Oh, okay. They they do they do run in absurdly fast. If Kirk didn't do anything, they would still smack into the wall. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I like that that uh, Oxmas figured out that they can't do anything until they're done sparkling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe they uh, they they didn't want the added expense. <laughs> It'd be hard to do things while you're sparkling. Yeah, if you if you interrupt somebody while they're sparkling, it means that like there are several fewer people in the room and the room's a lot smaller and all your clothes are cheaper. Some sort of a fourth wall awareness. Fourth wall awareness would certainly help this episode. I think Spock is aware of it. You think he is? Yeah. So on some level, Spock's thinking, all right, just got to get through this week. <laughs> just got to get through it. We'll get someplace good with this thing. And then by the end of the episode, well, when it freeze frames, it freeze frames, <laughs> and Spock is standing there in that freeze frame thinking, first chance I get, I'm going to quit this stupid job. <laughs> Maybe after a movie. Yeah, that's good. That's the plan. I need to do colon R. These people are crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why didn't I listen to my father? Why didn't I join the Science Academy? What's next? Hippies? Come on. I gotta get out of this. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's oh my god! Start. This is one. Of, the reason, like, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of this episode is because, mainly because Star Trek would not know how to do this now. And I don't just mean like you know, like after two thousand nine. I mean like since next gen, this kind of insanity is just not doable anymore. Mm -hmm. Which in some ways is, shows that it matured, and uh, in some ways, kind of disappointing because it could have matured in different directions well i would say a lot of the holodeck episodes in next generation where it where it breaks down and they have to pretend to be 
you know, play along with Moriarty or whatever. It, it comes close to this kind of level. Well, yeah, that comes in like in a in a sort of tonal aspect of it, but like the 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 very bizarre sort of like science fictional ang- angle of this episode that like they left behind one thing like a hundred years ago and like this entire civilization is you know transformed by it like that's like that kind of sci-fi conceit of like you know a civilization that uh, that that was formed around something odd that we wouldn't expect i mean plenty of civilizations are formed around religions and economic models but this is a civilization formed around something very unexpected which is a pretty weird sci-fi concept and they don't they haven't had the room to do that kind of thing for a very long time it's yeah i mean like you know what drew's saying about the holodeck thing is is the way to get you know um this type of episode out there but 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 like what you're saying with the uh sort of the the themes which are going on in the episode which i think are probably overlooked a lot of the time because this episode is so goofy um when people are just talking about it sort of surface level if they were to do that in in the next generation era it would be very earnest you know i mean even well even even on enterprise like you know the whole thing here at the end where where spock or i'm sorry mccoy is like hey i left my communicator down there do you think it's going to be a problem and they basically pass it off with a joke yeah like there's a whole episode of Enterprise which is built around that exact thing, you know. It's well, called the, the communicator. Oh, I was gonna make a joke. Oh, what are you gonna say? I was gonna say, what what's it called? The, oh. the episode where he leaves behind <laughs> his communicator. Yeah, it's called Left Behind. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. But God, see now now what if they left behind? A whole stack of Left Behind books. Oh, my God. And then came to that planet a hundred years later. That would be awesome. Mainly just because I'm not sure if it would still be there. So here we have uh, the the other scene. I think the scene where, more than anything, like, uh, Shatner's performance is amazing. He literally <laughs> just pointed a gun at that kid. Yeah, he has been pointing a gun at the kid this whole time. He's not a human boy. You can't trust him. He's shifty. Also, he's got a knife. The the uh something which I didn't notice until seeing it on Blu-ray is Shatner's hat is fuzzy. Yes, it's like a uh almost like a um angora felt or something like that i don't know it's really really weird and is that is it purple no i, I think, think it's, it's i think it's white white whitish maybe a very 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 it's light got, it's got some 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 pink or purplish highlights yeah. it's when it, when when it catches the light correctly mm-hmm. it's sort of you know shifts to that sort of the spectrum it might be the blue ribbon around it these guards are incredibly dense because (laughs) here's this kid that obviously lives next door and he's yelling for daddy and here comes kirk who was just there (laughs) and they're like oh well that's normal 
there are a ton of Vulcan nerve pinches in this episode. Yeah. Like that's the third one so far, right? It's weird. Like every once in a while, I, I like I'll, I'll watch like some original series episodes in a row, and I'll be like, "Man, they really hardly ever did that. Why did I think they did it so often?" And then I'll hit one where he does it like nine times, <laughs> you know, before the credits, and and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's why I thought that they did it a lot, because sometimes he did it way too much." <laughs> So I assume there are lots of pictures of various types of clothes. Yeah. Because they, they, they had to have pictures of clothes because you couldn't just invent clothes. Which explains the repeating themes. I do like the ties here. How they're like Miriam, like like the, the negative one's image of the other. One's blue and one's blue and orange. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 want, I want Kirk's tie. Oh, man. I should... Uh, contact Magnoli and see if they'll make them. I'm sure they would for the right price. Mm -hmm. Should contact Anova see what they'd do. Oh, yeah. we found the original fabric. And... <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I, I, Anovos could make that hat. Oh, yeah. Come clean with the hats. <laughs> <laughs> Even I wouldn't wear that hat, but I would totally wear the tie, though. It's kind of a pimpish hat. Yeah, it is. That's why Shatner pulls it off so well. Yeah. <clears throat> the I I I would not want a hat like that because it seems like it'd be very difficult to maintain. Yeah. Constantly brushing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, yeah. What would happen? Watering if, it. Yeah. What would happen if you took it out in the rain? I, Keep I it in the sun. Be, yeah, that doesn't seem like an all-weather hat. No. Like the indie hat. Like that's designed. For like the Australian outback or whatever, it's like you can you can like run it over outback. with a truck and it'll be fine. Temples of Doom, <laughs> but I think that uh, I think that kingdoms of various qualities. Kirk's hat here, it would, it would be a little uh, crusading. You can see that they do put the little turn in it to give it that nice swoop, like the original indie hat from Raiders. Uh huh. That's cool. We were basing this on Raiders. Yep. That makes <laughs> sense. Why couldn't they have left behind the indie trilogy? That'd be cool. See, that's that's actually like the, the first thing that I go to when I think about like how they couldn't do this now is if they did something like this now, what would they leave behind? What would it be? It couldn't be Chicago Miles of the Twenties, that's done. Also kind of limited in scope. Oh I know, Star Wars. <laughs> well, the time period would line up. I mean, yes, if you think it about would. This, if Forty. I years, am not joking. No, no, no. This I mean, is not a joke. I'm saying I want them to do that. But, but then the problem that you run into there is it's a sci-fi thing and another sci-fi thing. You know, really, that's a problem. Is that a problem or is that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> I would think you would need something which would be Earth-based, something no. that doesn't involve space travel. Wait, what? So why? What's the problem with space travel? Well, it would be... The problem with space travel is that they wouldn't be on that planet anymore. It would mm -hmm. be like a solar system devoted to Star Wars. Wouldn't right. that be amazing if you went to a solar system and Spock was like, okay, Kirk, you're not going to believe this, but I'm pretty sure there's a Death Star here. Yeah, I was going to say, you could you could just go to a Death Star, you know? And he'd be like, no, there isn't. Holy cow, there is. Oh my God, that's awesome. Whoa. 
That is so cool. Start scanning for Millennium Falcon. We've totally got to find a Millennium Falcon. Because, <laughs> I mean, I am way into this. Do you think they have force powers? We should find out if they have force powers. <laughs> Come on. That's amazing. That'd, That'd be, be cool. incredible. Yeah. We should contact the Star Trek Continues people. <laughs> yes. See if they'll set that up. Why not, man? That would be amazing. That would be a movie. <clears throat> and when they get when when the when the civilization gets a little out of hand and you get like you know a little freaked out that you might end up getting killed, you're like, here, here are the prequels. <laughs> Let's go before you watch them all. The Death Star just blows up. <laughs> Yeah, that's how they're defeated. Instead of a logic bomb, Kirk just gives them the prequels. Yeah, like they they watch the prequels and they start trying to shape their society to include those characteristics. And, and the just society just apart. grinds to a halt. <laughs> <laughs> like a society with wooden shoes in its gears, the whole civilization just disintegrates. <laughs> the Death Star doesn't blow up. It just stops working, goes cold. Drifts toward a planet. <laughs> crashes into the surface. Killing many, Back. many, many Ewoks. <laughs> Genetically engineered Ewoks. Back to the episode, uh, you know, commentary. I like this plan where they just beam the guys out. Instead of driving back and forth. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to meet each other and you're going to like it. No, I'm going to beam you into space. <laughs> yeah, they get a little tired of dealing with this nonsense. Which makes a great deal of sense. If we're already breaking the Prime Directive, we might as well go all the way. Yeah, it's well, I mean, it's damage control now. They've broken it. Now they just want to get out without losing anyone. Which I'm, if if somebody were to do this again today, you know, based on TOS, there would be like a hundred red shirts, and they would they would all die because <laughs> of that stupid cliche. They would they would like not of like specific things. They would just die from lots and lots of different things. <laughs> Some of them would just have you know heart attacks. Many of them would just like stumble downstairs. They're constantly that eating poison over. fruit. He would have, he would have backed over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> red shirts would be diving in front of every fired gun. <laughs> Take a pin out of a grenade. Ten red shirts land on it. That's what they're there for. Yeah. Cannon fodder. So do you guys remember when you first saw this episode? No, I there's no, no. I definitely don't. I, I saw the, all of the original series episodes before I can, you know, before I have memories. I I had seen all of these. Yeah. So I mean, like I I can tell you when I first, you know, put any serious thought into it. It was probably I was probably like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. I think we had the photo novel growing up. I think that might have been my first introduction to it. Was that that comic book thing? 
Yeah, those were really weird. I had a few of those. those they freaked me out. I they, I was really, you know, embarrassed by how stupid they were. <laughs> It just seems odd. Like, why why have a photo novel of, a, of an episode of a TV show that's, like, on all the time? It was back before you had a um, videotape. Well, not, well, maybe for some people. I mean, I, I you know, what am I, I don't know. We had a VCR when I was, like, 12 or something? When did the photo novels come out? Long before that. Yeah. yeah, but like early seventies, uh, I think. Yeah, but like I, I, you know, I'd seen the episodes a ton of times, and those those photo novels are really weird. They're like the worst kind of comic book, <laughs> the absolute worst. Well, aren't they doing that again now? Isn't John Byrne doing that? Yeah, crafting, craft. Well, I guess he's like crafting new stories out of photos, out of screenshots from existing episodes. Yeah. It's interesting. Doesn't seem like it'd be particularly hard to do. I mean, isn't that basically what the animated series was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now they're going to call all the mob bosses. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting. So he can call a mob boss on the phone... And Scotty is able to trace that phone call through the copper wires mm-hmm. but not to beam, beam up the, the people phone? there. And also not beam up the phone. He's really good. <laughs> I mean, it is his job. It is It is like the one thing he does well. Kind of like those comics. Have you seen the that one with the Chief O'Brien at work? No. Is there a there... comic book called Chief O'Brien at work? There, there's well, a so. there's a there's a series on uh on like some Tumblr page, and it's just it, they're they're each like twelve panels long, but ten out of the twelve panels is just him standing there in the transporter room. And sometimes <laughs> sometimes he'll just call people. Do you, Captain Picard? Do you need transported anywhere? No, we're good. <laughs> in in another in another one. Uh, Picard's just like, we need beam down to the surface. Don't you want to come down here? No, you could just beam us up from there. <laughs> oh, okay. God, why does he even put his pants on? Nobody <laughs> even sees him all day long. But when people go in, he's doing stuff. He's cleaning out the pattern. But buffers. he knew they were coming. <laughs> yeah. He like just put the lawn chair away and put the margarita under the desk. It's it's one of those uh, those union jobs, you know. <laughs> oh, he is non commissioned. Oh, oh. Take it to to the to the piece the action place. Right, exactly. <laughs> Getting it back on screen, right? Oh man, why does everybody have such ridiculous hats? Why are they all so like like specific to their hat? Now, why why do all of the new mob bosses have identical cheap looking hats? That's the question. <laughs> it's like they ran out of hats and they were just like, Well, let's go to the Halloween store and <laughs> buy these black bowler hats. Wait, who's because running everybody... the Halloween store? No, the no, no, no. in the real world. <laughs> oh, just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> the mob boss of Halloween, obviously. But this doesn't Halloween, make me uncomfortable. Halloween, all of this, Jack. this gun pointing at thing, 
Like his finger's right on the trigger, and he's just like waving it in people's faces. <laughs> yeah, they they don't have good gun etiquette. Gun equipment. And then and then this gun this gun fight, they're like five feet away from each other in the street. Yeah, it's like uh, heat if it was performed on stage. <laughs> Which also sounds awesome. We're coming up with a lot of solid material here. <clears throat> McCoy throughout this entire episode is just kind of like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm really out of my element. Like earlier, <laughs> he's got like his phaser trained at someone and he's like giving side glances to Kirk here. He walks by and gets the, the machine gun taken right out of his hand. And then he's the guy who leaves the communicator at the end. Like, he basically doesn't do anything throughout this episode, but McCoy is really sort of the the weak link in this whole scenario. You know, he's just like we should have just left you on the ship. Right? I don't even know why we needed to bring a doctor yeah. down to begin with. <laughs> he's just like they there wasn't a medical emergency. He's just like I I am not. This is not my thing, guys. We People need, are dying up on the to, ship. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta wonder if sometimes people are along just just so you know, Kirk can talk to them afterwards and say like, "Was it cool when that dude came in and I like karate chopped him in the face?" And McCoy's like, "Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, it was. Sure was cool. Remember that? Remember that time when?" <laughs> so the Enterprise, the Enterprise, the entire ship can sh- has a stun setting. Yeah. I don't know why that that's weird to me. I always imagined that stun was not like a low setting of the phaser, but like a different setting altogether. And that's why the colors are all different. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm thinking of Star Wars when the setting, the colors are different. Well, in Star just, Wars, it shoots balls, like like circles. Yeah. It, shoots, it shoots white <laughs> hula hoops at the, at the target. I don't have a problem with that. I, I could see the stun thing doing that. You okay, know? but if you're right next to it and the phasers on the ship are set to stun, wouldn't that still kill you? Because, I mean, like, you know, you can shoot someone on stun at close range and kill them from Star Trek Six. We know that. I'm wondering if it's a different stun setting. So Yeah, like there's yeah. multiple ways to knock people out. Mm-hmm. That would be Maybe nice. it's like an audible stun, like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. It's just, it's just such a weird way to deal with. Well, we broke this planet. What can we do to fix it? Well, we can kind of make it more of a democracy, and then say, <laughs> "Yep, good work." We'll fly away. What? That doesn't work? Are you kidding me? Because that's all we're doing all the time now in the real world. That's the whole plan. That's the entirety of our foreign policy. You guys stop fighting. It'd be nice. Okay. Hold an election. No. Not like that. Like, <laughs> like intelligently. Oh, come on, guys. Really? You elected the caveman. With a club. With points. Ridiculous people. Well, I'm glad that Spock does point that out. <laughs> yeah. And how you going to explain to Starfleet, you want to come check on this planet and they're going to give you money, which is really good. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to make a cut now. 
We're going to have money. Like, I wonder how that's going to change their economy, you know? Because they're basically taking 40% of the wealth away from the society. I think what he's trying to it, what he's trying to instigate is a people's revolution. Mm. He wants to get them all united against Starfleet. So when they, <laughs> like, when they write their own, uh, you know, like... Uh, uh, I don't know. When they write their own constitution, like like announce that they're separating from the Starfleet authority, then they'll have to like actually do some original thinking. Of course, that wouldn't work. They just steal some other cultures' notices. Yeah. So here we have the bit about. Um... Bones leaving his communicator and coming up right here. We're going to have the freeze frame, which is very <laughs> strange because. What? <laughs> what? Strange. It is. Freeze frame and then cut to the ship. You know, it's not even like the last shot in the thing. It's. Okay, so your 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 objection is not the freeze frame. It's that the ship is not also freeze framed. It's, it's such a weird thing because oh. it's just like. Oh, that is weird. It's 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 not even like freeze frame <laughs> credits, you know, which yes. is like which would have been weird too. But it's freeze frame, okay, and then pause, unpause. Yeah, right, exactly. It's it's very strange. I, I, I don't I, I don't see a problem with it. I think that the interior of the ship is frozen. I don't have a problem with it either. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of cool because it's so outside of the box. I mean, that would never happen in the next okay. gen era. I like how Maybe. outside of the box is a euphemism for terrible. It's not terrible. <laughs> I, I think it works for this episode. Okay. This maybe maybe, maybe when they jump to warp, everything pauses, and that's that's part of the part of the thing. We just never see it at that particular point in time. I'm sure that's what it is. Like yeah. like on VSG, when they jump, it's incredibly um, you know like uh, disorienting and unpleasant. But like it's only seen once because it's really kind of boring. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's the end of uh, a piece of the action. Yep, it certainly was action-y and also PC. Well, it was fun commentating over a piece of the action today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Janice Rand. And Rand braces for impact against Kirk. If I were on that bridge and I needed a brace for impact, I would totally grab Kirk. I'd grab Rand. You'd grab Rand? All right. Yeah. Well, different strokes <laughs> for different folks, I guess. Earl Grey. Missing 24th century technology. How about, like, a gun that shoots hyposprays? No, I assume you mean it shoots out the... <laughs> 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 the, 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 the chemical. <laughs> There's like a little mechanical thumb that dispenses it. The ready room. Affliction and divergence. Yeah, the other interesting thing about that, though, is to compare the Klingon ethics with the Section 31 ethics, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, there are some groups within the Klingons who maybe don't feel exactly the same way. But then yeah. there's this group within the humans who feels completely different. And you kind of wonder what the Klingons think maybe about someone who wouldn't do this. The orb. Implications of genetic enhancement. And our scientific advancement is, is picking up pace all the time, our technological advancement. 
I think the urge for us to artificially enhance ourselves is going to be too great for us to ignore. To the journey! Resolutions rewrite. Overall, this is a great story. It's about like love and loss and, and about moving on and not being able to move on and has some baddies at the end, you know, and it's just, it's, yeah. uh, it's good. Come on, this is why Harlequin paperbacks get sold. Commentary, Trek stars. Iris Stephen Bear, crash. I, I love Iris Stephen Bear. As, as much as, as uh, anyone can love a television showrunner who they never met. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad you put that on the end there. Warp 5. Xenophobia and the Coalition of Planets. Justification in his mind is that the Vulcans were observing us. Mm. They knew the war was happening. Mm. They didn't do anything to stop it. But, you know, it really wasn't the place of the Vulcans to step in and stop World mm. War Three. Literary treks. James Swallow, The Poison Chalice. Everybody in this story is dragged into a situation they don't want, want to be in. And that's kind of where the, the title, The Poison Chalice, originally came from, is the idea that, you know, Riker is given this promotion, which uh, on paper sounds like a really great idea, but it's a poison chalice. You know, it, it turns out that it's not what he thought it was. And in fact, you know, he's being dragged into something that he doesn't want to be involved in. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. I understand that we have some feedback. Yes, we've got a, we've we've got a, several people contacting us. Uh, recently, Robert contacted us through the site, Robert from Louisiana, and he said Standard Orbit just gets better every week. Great interviews and topics. I wish it came out more than once a week. Thank you so much for a great show and host. By the way, I love all Trek FM shows. Yeah, thanks for listening, Robert. Robert is very supportive of us all. You know, he listens to commentary Trek stars as well. And uh, we, we do really appreciate the support and the feedback. And sorry, but there's no way this show is coming out once a week. You're lucky <laughs> to get it once a week. So... Sorry, Robert. Yes. There's... But if you live nearby and want to give us rides to various places, it might help speed things up. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of people who live nearby, Dante from Chicago, Illinois, wrote in. Hey, yeah, well, it's like right across the street from us. I wonder what he's the boss of. <laughs> well, apparently he's the boss of uh, Timelines. Okay. Because he says, hi guys, I'm a huge Star Trek fan and always have a special place in my heart for the original series, so love the show. During a discussion of Star Trek Generations, someone asked about when Kirk met Antonia. While Star Trek The Motion Picture is set in 2271, while Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is set in 2284, so there's this 13-year window between the two movies just ripe for storytelling. The way I see it, after the Vidra incident, Kirk commanded a second five-year mission on the Enterprise, which ended around 2276 or 2277. Then Kirk returned to Earth, accepted promotion to Admiral again, and figured he could finally settle down on Earth. So Kirk is an Admiral for a few years, but is unhappy and retires for the first time around 2279 or 2280. Now in Generations, Kirk says he met Antonia 11 years prior to the launch of the Enterprise B in 2293, which would make Kirk and Antonia meeting in 2282. So Kirk and Antonia are together for about two years, then about late 2283, early 2284, 
Kirk tells, Anto- tells Antonia that he's going back to Starfleet, and that's where Wrath of Khan picks up. So that whole 13 years between the first and second Star Trek movies is just ripe for more novels and fan fiction. Great discussion and can't wait to hear more. Happy face. Peace and long life, Dante Hopkins. All right. Well, thanks, Dante, for clearing that up. Um, I'm going to trust your math because I don't have a chronology in front of me. Uh, but it, it makes sense. It makes sense. That's also, that. you're bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, 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 that makes sense to me. So um, it all it all fits into place now. See, Generations is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes because that's, what that, that's what that says <laughs> <laughs> so let's tell everybody where to contact us if they'd like to share their sh- thoughts on the show just go to trek.fm slash contact there's a form there choose to send a show and choose standard orbit that'll come to both of us by email you can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, and you can talk to us and other listeners on our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm, and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to please support our sponsor who makes it possible for us to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows for you each week. Our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. There are numerous classic TOS books on Audible, as well as some of the all-time favorites like Prime Directive and Federation. Mike, did you find anything for us this week? Yeah, I did. You know, keeping with the piece of the action theme i found scarface al and the crime crusaders chicago's private war against capone which uh you know maybe if if they had read this book too things would have turned out different differently on iota or whatever the name of that planet is it's written by uh, dennis e hoffman and narrated by greg a rizzo and uh, it says, according to the Elliot Ness myth, which has been widely disseminated through books, television shows, and movies, Ness and the Untouchables defeated Al Capone by marshalling superior firepower. But in Scarface Al and the Crime Crusaders, Dennis Hoffman presents a fresh new perspective on the downfall of Al Capone. To debunk the Elliot Ness myth, he shows how a handful of private citizens brought Capone to justice by outsmarting him rather than by outgunning him. So that sounds cool. So check that out. And and if you're a Trek FM listener, which I'm assuming you are if you're hearing this, uh, you can uh, get this book for free. That's right. You can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read, that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audible.com slash trek.fm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek.fm. Also, if you would personally like to support Standard Orbit, the network, and our programming, visit trek.fm slash donate. We have eight alien-themed badges and art prints as a thank you for your contribution, and you can mix and match badges and art prints. There are different levels of donation to choose from, and your contributions help us cover the cost of production, storage, and bandwidth needed to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows to you every week. No iOcean badges, though. No. Those would be cool, though, Mm -hmm. if they had the fuzzy hat. Yep, yep. And fancy heaters. (laughs) Get your illustrator going. 
make that happen. <laughs> so we had another listener write in, and uh, he provided us with a joke that we'll read. Right, because because last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, someone was like, "Hey, uh, you should tell jokes at the end. You should end each episode with a joke." And we said, "Well, we're not that funny. You guys should give us jokes." And someone did. So Corey from uh, Dubuque, Iowa, Kate Mulgrew's hometown, he wrote in and said, Hello, great job with the new show. You're looking for jokes? Question, what sound does a Vulcan pop gun make? Answer, to pow That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. When, when, when I read that, I thought, hey, that's funny. I like it. <laughs> good job. Good job. Yes, if if you have jokes, please please submit them mm-hmm. so that we don't have to. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.